0: Welcome to How Do You Write. I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 207 of How Do You Write. I'm Rachel Heron. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. Today, we are talking to Donna Bayerstein about her surprising tip, for getting into the voice of a character. It was really, really fun to talk to her and the way she mixes art and writing. And I know that you are going to enjoy that portion of the podcast. And what's been going on around here? Well, I have been writing my Patreon essay, which is about to go out. And I know that I have told you on the past that I'm writing this memoir called You're Already Ready. It was called Replenish. And it was the result of me burning out at the end of 2017. I decided to take 2018 to do a month, uh, sorry, a year long challenge. Every month would be a different challenge. I would focus on one different thing and see if it could help replenish my empty well. Well, what ended up happening uh, was completely unexpected. And it happened exactly at the inciting Incident, right? About 20% through that year, because of what I was doing and because of the journaling I was doing, I discovered that I had slipped into alcoholism, which was my biggest fear of my life, one of my biggest fears. And it had happened. Um, after many years of being a heavy drinker, I was no longer able to stop drinking. So I continued to write those monthly essays for my Patreon subscribers. And they were true and real and honest. And they told the way I felt, but I kept all mention of my recovery out of them. We're just going to have to ignore that cat who's yelling in the background. I apologize for that. That's what he does. And so I kept all the mention of alcoholism and addiction out of those essays. I am now, as I'm revising the memoir, I'm putting them back in because I want it to be a true Uh, representation of the year that I spent. So I am pulling in a bunch of stuff from the journals and I am doing one essay and then I do a little bit of a journal about what was happening at that time in terms of recovery. And today I am working on that inciting incident moment of that discovery and what happened after that and how I felt, which was not good. It was not good. Let's, let's put it that way. So it's been actually really fun for the last few days to be going through those journal entries and doing what we get to do with journal entries when we are memoirists. We get to put things together. We get to take out the boring, idiotic sentences and finesse some of the sentences that were not even real words. (laughs) If any of you are journalists, you know what I mean. Um, not adding anything but cleaning them up and making them readable and hopefully enjoyable. And I get to send that out this week for my Patreon subscribers. And I'm a little bit nervous because this is, um, that was an intense thing that happened and it didn't feel good. I really like writing about perhaps not feeling as good and then finding out how to feel better. And that doesn't happen for a while in this part of my story. And it doesn't happen in this particular journal entry, uh, that goes over the course of a couple of the, the first days of me getting sober. So I'm excited to send that out and I am nervous and um, happy to do that. So that's been my writing for the last couple of days. And I'm also plotting for NaNoWriMo, uh, for the few people who are listening, who don't know what that is. It is national novel writing month. It happens every year in November. It starts November 1st ends November 30th it is a free online challenge in which you write a book in a month. you write 50,000 words as soon as you write 50,000 words you win you win Nanorimo what do you win not much you win uh, congratulations a heartfelt congratulations from the Nanorimo staff and but the big thing that you win is you get to say forever that you won Nanorimo that you wrote a book. In a month, it's a short book. Fifty thousand words is a short book. It's like a Hemingway esque, of uh, maybe like a of mice and men Steinbeck length. Uh, but it's a book. My first time I did nano was in two thousand six, and that book became How to Knit a Love Song, my first published book from Harper Collins. And I have participated every year since then. I don't always win. Uh, I hope I win this year. I'm really going to give it a good shot this year. I might not, and that's okay. I will still write more words because I'm doing nano than I would if I weren't. And that is one of the awesome things. Um, there won't be any in-person NaNoWriMo events, which is too bad because those write-ins where you get together in cafes and you have, um, challenges to see who can write the fastest because you're not writing good words in nano. You are writing fast. So necessarily, they're going to be crappy and that's what we want. Um, so there's no getting together in cafes to do this kind of challenges. So there will be so many online, um, sprints and challenges and zoom rooms. And you can find all of those at the forums in NanoRimo. I save looking at the forums, of course, for after I've done my work for the day, after I've written my 1,667 words that day, I can spend as much time as I want in the forums. And read what other people are doing and harnessing that energy of everybody doing this at the same time is something that's really incredible. So as this goes out tomorrow on the 30th of October, we'll be starting on Sunday. So I think you should join us. I joined my first year without even an idea of what my book was going to be about. I just knew it was going to be about a woman who loved knitting. There we go. And I started. And again, it doesn't have to be good. You just write fast. There is something called the reverse nano. If you want to Google that, pull that up. I've done that a couple times. It's pretty great. You start the month with a high word count per day. I think it goes from like 4,000 words and then down the second day, maybe to 3,000 something. And every day you write fewer words until the very end of the month. The very last day, you only have to write one word. That's your goal on the 30th of November is to write your 50,000th word. And you can find that by Googling reverse nano. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, I am excited about it. I'm excited about the book I'm going to write, and I'm going to try to bring to this book just joy, just happiness, just fun. I want to have fun on the page, and I want to remember to have fun. So you should come friend me over there. I think I am Rachel Herron. If I'm not Rachel Herron, I'm Yarna Gogo, although I think that's my old name. Their website is kind of wonky right now. I'm not totally happy with the website, but it's fine. It is what it is. It does what it does. It is a nonprofit that raises money to bring this into school. Their young writers program is amazing. And if you do NaNoWriMo, I would humbly plead you to toss them a few dollars. This is a nonprofit. They work extremely hard all year to promote literacy and they're amazing. So that's at nanorimo.org, or just Google National Novel Writing Month and you should play. And now let us jump into the interview. I know you're going to enjoy it. Come find me on the internet. You can come over to write.net and leave me a comment or find me anywhere else that I am online and tell me how your writing is going. I really want to know. Okay, happy writing my friends. Hey writers, I've opened up some coaching slots. I'm not taking clients on a weekly basis right now as I'm working on my own books, but I am doing one-offs. I call them tune-ups. Tell me your plot problems and ask your character queries. Let me know what stumbling blocks you're up against. Get tips and tricks to get you back on the right track. Ask me questions about all things publishing. Together, we'll brainstorm your specific plan of action, making sure you're in the driver's seat of your book again. You'll receive a 30-minute call over Skype or FaceTime, giving you the honest encouragement you need to keep getting better. Or a polite ass-kicking, if that's what you need and ask for. Plus, you'll get an mp3 audio recording or mp4 video, your choice of our chat, so you can re-listen at your leisure. And if you want a little more help, I can also critique either 10 pages or your book's outline and talk you through my findings. Just check out com slash coach for more info. I'd love to work with you. Now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show my guest, Donna Baerstein. Hi, Donna. Hi, Rachel. I'm Hello, happy Dutch. to be here with Hi. you thrilled to have you. Let me give you a little introduction before we get into the meat of it. Donna Baerstein is the author of The Silver Baron's Wife, which is a Penn New England Discovery Award and a Forward Reviews winner. Sympathetic People, which was an Iowa Fiction Award finalist, Letting Rain Have Its Say, and Scenes from the Heartland, stories based on lithographs by Thomas Hart Benton. Founding editor of Bellevue Literary Review, she founded and publishes... Tiferet Journal. Is that how you say it? Yes. Great. Uh, She has received a Breadloaf Scholarship, Johns Hopkins University Fellowship, and other awards. Her writing appears in Next Avenue, Virginia Quarterly Review, Saturday Evening Post, Writer's Digest, Lit Hub, Washingtonian, and other journals, Um, as well as in I've Always Meant to Tell You from Pocket Books and Two Fathers, What I've Never Said, featured in O Magazine. Welcome. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. It's. I was looking at your um, website, and so the newest book is the uh, scenes um, from the Heartland, right? Yes, yes. So before, well, actually, I want to. I want to get to that at the end because it looks so fascinating. I was telling you before we got on air that it's at the top of my to be read pile right now. But let's first of all, that's a lot of writing that you have under your belt, and
1: a lot of different directions too. So
0: I tend to. Um, do I. I like that in a person. I write in five genres.
1: Yes, and- I notice.
0: And it's so impressive,
1: <laughs> all the books
0: you've written and sold as well. So it's terrific. But I really, and I really like that about people when we aren't boxed in, when we have just, <laughs> I know I've shot myself in the foot by going so many different directions, but I wouldn't change it. Yes. Because it's I where, that-
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same because um, each of the three fiction books are—they're very different—and um, uh, but I feel like I want to write what I want to write, so it's, it's not the best marketing ploy, but it works as far as what one wants to do. So, and you have an animal there too.
0: I have my cat. I'm trying to keep off my lap. I'm very sorry. My wife is getting home. So I'll ask the question quickly and then I'll go on mute. Can you tell us about your writing process, how you get it done?
1: Yes. Um, Usually I write in the mornings, um, sometimes at the computer, sometimes in a notebook while I'm still in bed. um, I have to say that, you know, I was thinking... Earlier, um, the last couple months, I have been less com, less consistent in my writing than I was earlier, because I tend to get caught up in headlines, et cetera. I, I think it's, it's uh, you know. Um, but I find, I really find, and I have always found this in my life, that I feel much better when I write as opposed to times that I don't write. Um, so having multiple projects is a good solution for that. So if I don't feel like working on the, on the current novel, I, I can write a poem or an essay, et cetera. Um, again, possibly not the most, um, you know, fine tuned direct approach, but, but it's what works for me. So
0: now let, let me ask about the writing by hand. How does that work? Is that like a first draft? Yes. And, um,
1: usually in the, and it's actually interesting because it's really just this summer that I went back to writing by hand. I've, um, my first computer I remember was a televideo, and I remember being so thrilled. Um, um, to to be able to edit so easily and cut and paste paragraphs etc and not have to redo the whole, i'm older so not i didn't have to redo the whole page if i wanted to change something on a page um as we used to have to do when we were using typewriters so i love using the computer my brain runs really fast so um i find that typing on the keyboard generally works best for me but again this summer. Um I have found myself wanting to slow down a little bit and wanting the physical process of of pen on paper um Spalding gray i don't know if you know that name. he was from a long from a while ago he wrote something I think swimming to Cambodia he was on broadway and he he said something like um, the pen becomes part of his musculature, and I've just really wanted that physical um presence of the pen on the on the notebook and then i type it into the computer um but and certain and that i do more for poetry and maybe an essay i don't i usually for the novel that i'm working on i usually go to, directly to the computer so I, I write very messy first
0: drafts and that's something that do you too oh the the worst the okay. absolute messiest they're they're unintelligible to any other human being yes yes
1: and I always write way too much and and I research (laughs) way too much right and put it all in and then when I go back I need to cut out but um you know and I think I I'm teaching a number of writing classes now and one of the things that that I really want any writer to know is get something on the page it doesn't have to be perfect Um, Ernest Hemingway said all first drafts are S-H-I-T. Virginia Woolf said she looked for the diamonds in the dust heap um, in her writing. And um, there are people, and I have friends who are writers, there are people who can write first draft, final draft. I'm not one of those.
0: I think they're very few and far between. And they've developed a process of going through the garbage in their brain. And I always tell my students that that's only your method. If you are revising as you go and you complete books, if you're not completing books, that's not your method. You should write a crappy first draft. But yes. the other thing is, is it takes us so long to accept that. Um, because I really wanted for many years of not doing much writing, I wanted to finally be the writer who was good when I sat down. And I, yeah. we, we never get that way. I think yes. it was Malcolm, I love your quotes. And Malcolm Gladwell said the first eight drafts of anything is terrible. Oh, good! Yeah, I'll, I'll
1: add that to my repertoire. That's a good quote. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it's 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 so hard to remember that. And I also love the the by hand thing. I have gotten really into writing on my iPad. It's uh-huh. a brand new thing, but the writing is actually searchable, and you can change it into text if you want. Ah, so you use a stylus. Yes, I use the Apple pencil, ah, and it's cool. really kind of satisfying both sides of my brain of wanting the kinesthetic yes spirit connected experience and also you know if i needed to move it into the word document i could which i yes garbage but yeah (laughs)
1: that's great i'm sorry good
0: she's finally stopped
1: Oh, don't Um, don't worry i have a dog back in the back of the house so oh good
0: um what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing uh
1: perfectionism yeah um, and with The Silver Baron's Wife, for instance, that, that novel is a topic that obsessed me um, for decades. And um, Baby Doe Tabor um, in Colorado, I first learned about her when I was seven years old and her life obsessed me. And can you give
0: me a quick uh, sentence of who she was? Cause I'm not sure.
1: Yes. Um, she was a woman who lived in the late 19th early 20th century um she bucked a lot of social expectations she worked in the silver mines which women didn't do um she had two marriages the first was to uh harvey doe um, and and then she left she divorced him he he was a philanderer and possibly an addict and she caught the attention of Horace Tabor who was a very wealthy silver baron he was worth about 24 million dollars in 1883 when her when Horace and Lizzie married they married at the Willard Hotel in Washington DC um, President Chester Arthur came anyway her life and then when when um the sherman silver purchase act was repealed horace's fortune which was based on silver being the standard for us for the for the united states um his fortune was was um lost and she stayed with him and then when he died she went to the matchless mine where he had made most of his fortune and she lived there for the next few decades writing down thousands of dreams
0: Wait, she lived. Children.
1: She lived in the mine. Well, in a shack at in the mine.
0: Sh- oh, how fascinating!
1: Oh yes. <laughs> so her life, her life includes fabulous wealth, fat, dire poverty, uh, materialism, spirituality. Uh, she had two daughters. Um, love, loneliness, just huge contrasts in her life. And one of the things that really struck me, I think, even as a child was i had these postcards of her one in an ermine opera coat and one standing in front of the cabin at the mine and i thought how does a woman go from point a to point b how how does a life go like this and um uh, and also the fact that she wrote down these dreams which people weren't doing then i mean now there are dream journals and dream groups and but um freud's interpretation of dreams i think was 1896, something around there was published. I don't know whether she read it or not, Mm. but it was very unusual that she wrote down these dreams and there are thousands of them um, that are in the History Colorado Center. So she was a real, and she had some, there are some people, some theologians think she was a mystic. Um, There's a woman, Judy Nolte Temple, who wrote a nonfiction book about Baby Doe Tabor and her dreams. And um, she talked to some theologians and she she had a lot of visions of Jesus and Mary and saints. Oh, wow. Other,
0: other people think she was crazy. And so what was that like to take that, put it into a book along with that perfection, perfectionism uh, that you have? Oh, it,
1: well, <laughs> it took a long time talking <laughs> about the first, the first chapter of that book, of that novel, of this novel. Um, I rewrote and rewrote and rewrote really the first couple pages I had to get it perfect and I that was a mistake because I needed to write to the end yeah, and then come yeah. back
0: so that was a lesson I learned yeah because we don't know what our book wants to have exactly. in the first part until the until it's done exactly sometimes not even then sometimes that's, right. that's right yeah oh wonderful what is uh your biggest joy when it comes to writing
1: um, finding, um, synchronicities in research, like when yes. I'll stumble upon something. I love that. And like in the Thomas Hart Benton book, um, I, I own one lithograph by Benton. I'm from Kansas city originally. And my father was given one of Benton's oh, how cool. lithographs. Yeah. So one day I sat down, I had written, my first book was a, co- a collection of short stories. And I thought I want to do something that's, um, you know, kind of out of the realm of my daily life and not contemporary. And I started creating a story based on what I saw in the lithograph. Um and that was published in Virginia Court that story was in Virginia Quarterly Review. And then I decided, oh, let's do some more of these. And I happened to own a book of lithographs um, by Benton. And one of them, here's an example of synchronicity in research. One of the lithographs shows two women standing by a flooded river and Benton had titled it the flood and it's nineteen thirty-seven. Well I didn't know, but there was a very large, very damaging flood in nineteen thirty-seven. And um I did research and one of the places that was flooded was um New Madrid, um, Missouri, which was Uh, and, And there was a landing that was literally called Compromise. And I remember, I can't remember the year I wrote that story, but it was the last story I wrote for that book. And at the time, and this is before today when it's even more terrible, but at the time I was thinking about the divisiveness in this country. And I see this landing called Compromise. And that struck me. Um, and there was a church in 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 the research I found in New Madrid, there was a church that literally sat on a state line. And the people from Kentucky sat on one side and the people from Missouri sat on the other. And they had ar- men with guns at the ends of the pews. Yeah. And I thought, whoa. Um, oh, and my it- gosh. I know. So that really seemed to touch on what was going on and is still going on in this country. Um, So that was an example of, wow, you know, it was just perfect um, for a theme that I wanted to
0: explore. And it's so interesting when... You go looking, you find something. That's just what happens. Yeah. And the other thing I love about synchronicity is that how it happens all around us and yeah. we hear things on the radio and somebody mentions yeah. a word that you've never heard before. You just learned for this book and you hear it four more times that week. You know, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. So can you share a craft tip of any sort with us?
1: Um, one thing that I've realized is that, that, is that it's helpful that it's something to consider is when you, when a writer is creating a character, to at least do one draft in first person. Um, oh. I th- I think writers need to be actors, psychologists, and wordsmiths, and um, I I find that getting into a character writing from that character's first-person point of view is helpful. It may not stay that way. I may later go change it to third, but it helps me get inside
0: the character. That is wild, and I love it. I have only done one book out of the 26 in first-person, and it's the most recent book. And um, it it was really scary, in a way, to be that close inside her head. Um, that's fascinating. I love that idea. And I'm going to use that in the future.
1: And 26 books. I'm so impressed. That's <laughs> amazing. You must be a much more disciplined writer than I am.
0: I I have little discipline, but a lot of stamina. <laughs> Great. Great. i just keep showing up and writing terrible, yes, that's terrible drafts
1: it, that's what it takes that's what it takes yeah. i love
0: that tip thank you thank you so much that is completely unique and i've never I'll
1: for that. your last book too
0: just came out in paperback
1: okay yeah. great so, so i yeah okay, thriller about
0: police corruption so i don't know if that's up your alley
1: but. awesome yeah. <laughs> But wait, so I saw something on Twitter.
0: Were you a police dispatcher? I was. I was a police and fire medical dispatcher for 17 years. So this was the book that was about the dispatcher that I had to get out of the industry in order to write. I haven't dispatched for four and a half years. Wow,
1: but you wrote it in first person.
0: That one actually was in third. The one I just turned in that's coming out in spring is in first person. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was really fun. Okay, so what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way.
1: Um um probably um well there are two ways I can answer this. One is <laughs> that one is that um I sometimes let my emotions get the best of me as and that
0: affects um the consistency of the writing. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a common thing for writers. Yeah. Uh, and how and does it, how does it does it?
1: what in that, uh, in, in that I, um, that I have to push myself more to get to the computer or the notebook yeah. and I have to keep myself away from Twitter news and headlines. And again, especially with the pandemic and everything else going on right now, that's kind of really up up. And, um, you know, that, that's the negative side. The, the positive lesson from that is, um, acknowledge what you're feeling and go sit there and write anyway.
0: I'm 10, and, 48 years old and I'm just learning how to feel feelings. I am not good at it. Oh, I'm, I'm too
1: good at it. It's not, it's not a plus, you know? So, um, uh, I mean, there's a balance obviously, but, but I think the thing, I think the thing, um, that's important is that even if you don't feel like writing, get out the pen and notebook and start free writing and say, I don't feel like writing right now, but, and just let it come out. And again, the classes that I teach, you know, they have I give them prompts and they have free writing sessions and, and it's like silencing that inner critic oh. and and silencing that voice that says, I don't want to do this right now and just doing it. And lo and behold, every time I do that, I feel better.
0: Every it, single time. Right. It never yeah. misses. Yeah. Sometimes you don't get anything good out of it, but other times you get gold exactly. that you had no like, idea you could pull from nowhere. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah.
0: And no matter what, you feel better. My wife always tells us. She can tell when I haven't had a writing day because yes, I'm grumpy. yes, yes <laughs> So I'm All not right. good at feeling emotions, but perhaps I'm good at showing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe too, too good. Okay, so what is the best book you read recently and why did you love
1: it? Oh, no question about it. The
0: Overstory by Richard Powers.
1: I love <laughs> Richard Powers, but I haven't read that one. Well, this is the first of his that I've read and it's, oh my God, it blew me away. I think it's one of the best books I've ever read. I also really love Lincoln in the Bardo a few years ago. Those two books are the best are two of the best books I've ever read. And um, the Overstory is just a work of genius. And what did you love about it? The way he um, shows the interconnectedness, not Mm -hmm. only of pre's, um oh I'm sorry, oh, oh, it's all about the environment and trees, how trees take care of each other um and the importance it's also about video game creation it's it's I can't even say what it's about because it's so huge, and there are multiple characters, multiple stories um when I first started reading it, I thought. I didn't realize it was a novel and I read the first section chapter and I thought it was going to be a collection of short stories and each chapter is focused on different characters, but he mag- he, with, with a genius touch, he ties every thread together. Oh, it, it touches. It's a consciousness raising book. In my opinion about how we're all connected about the planet and what we need to do to save it. And um, it's just a mind bogglingly wonderful book.
0: I love reading books that make me question my choice of careers. You know, I really, really love it where I am stumped by how someone can be that intelligent and do all of this. Like that Mm -hmm. is one of my happy places. So that's going to be right underneath your book on my TV. Speaking of your most recent book, can you tell us a little bit more about these stories and the lithographs and, and how this came to be?
1: Yeah. Um again, you know, I, I own one of the lithographs and um you know just have it's fun. nine is it nine stories? Yes. I think it's either eight or nine. Um hold on. That's terrible. <laughs> I <shouldn't have> <laughs> this
0: is terrible right nine.
1: Yeah. Um, sorry. And, um, um, uh, it, it was just the first, it was interesting because, um, my first book of short stories, sympathetic people, while it's not autobiographical, there are elements of it in it that are autobiographical or things from friends, lives, et cetera. And I really was thinking, I want to write something that's not related to my life. Well, lo and behold, so I go into this Benton lithograph, which actually, I don't know. Oh, you, yeah. And you it on the wall? Yes. It's gorgeous.
0: Yeah. It's so,
1: and it's a, two boys on a horse, and there's a gray farmhouse in the background. And, um, uh, you know, I started just basically describing what I saw, and then I started doing some research from Missouri, Missouri in that era and farming, et cetera. And, um, I knew that I didn't want the main character to be an adolescent boy. So I started thinking, well, there are logs cut. That means there's an adult around, there's a farmhouse in the back, the parents Mm. are probably there. And I went into the voice of the wife, um, mother, and, um, it's, it's really her story. So what surprised me was that, I mean, anything we write, our own psyche makes its stamp on it. So it surprised me that that came out in that story. But again, I love doing the research and I love making up a story based on a picture. I think that is such a beautiful,
0: beautiful idea. Plus, I, I didn't know who he was before. I, oh, okay. I saw this.
1: He was a regionalist painter from Kansas City and Martha's Vineyard. He was actually a mentor, teacher to Jackson Pollock. Oh, wow! Um, in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, there's a room, um, full of. I mean, his paintings are in museums all over the world, but it, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, there's a room, um, that his murals are on all four walls, and Ooh. it's called America Today. And it shows there are bankers and farmers and steelworkers and dance hall girls oh. and hobbies you know, the, the the incredible variety of people that make up America. I love that. I would love to be able to go to New York and look at that, yeah. and wait well, for us. You, you can Google it and see. It's yeah. really um. So so he was he was a very he was a very famous um
0: painter and plus you um, have this connection to him through your father yeah, in, and lithograph, the the right? yes. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, and where can we find you online?
1: Uh, my website is myname donabearstein dot com. And I also publish an interfaith literary journal called Tiferet Journal. That's t i f e r e t journal.com. And what does what does
0: interfaith mean in this specific case? Is it uh,
1: Well, my father was Jewish and my mother was Christian, so I grew up thinking we all need to get along, and so I publish authors from different faiths.
0: It sounds like that might be one of your core stories mm-hmm. in your life. Is is that coming together and that yeah. um? I think that like probably- like. Like that church and the the vision of it being so separated, putting it back together.
1: Exactly, exactly. Beautiful. Oh, it is. Our our country country. needs to do that too.
0: It absolutely does. It abs. I'm fingers crossed for the election.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It has been such a joy to talk to you today.
1: To you too, Rachel. Thank you, and I'm going to get your book. And thank you so much for having me on. Take care. Have
0: a good rest of the evening.
1: Thank you. Or afternoon
0: for you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write?